Season 3, Episode 7. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Good, Katie, how are you? I'm good. And today we're talking about money, so I'm even better because I think this is going to be super fun. We're making it rain. I love it. We are. We're trying to make it rain <laughs> with these products. <laughs> we yeah. we have not, you know, we'll see what happens. Yep. Um, you've actually launched yours. I have not launched mine. And of course, we will be back with a launch update uh, later on mm-hmm. in this season so people can kind of hear how things are going. But I'm curious, Sarah, how are you pricing this product? Because how we price our products is definitely based on kind of our own time and also like how we're valuing these products, but also our audiences. So what are some of the factors you were considering as you priced it? Yeah, there there are quite a few things that go into pricing for me, um, especially as you mentioned, audience. Um, So who is the product targeted uh, toward or at? There's also the consideration of what else is out there in the space that's either similar or, um, you know, that that offers a, a similar kind of experience or content. Um, the other issue that I sometimes run into is, um, what people will actually pay for. So, uh, especially in the land of video, because of the way that sort of the video landscape has moved in the last five to 10 years, there's sort of this expectation out there that, um, that content that you create in video should be free, uh, because of things like YouTube where people just upload whatever they want to YouTube. And, um, and so there's sort of an expectation that that, product should almost be just sort of a free offering. The same is kind of true sometimes with um, a lot of the content that we're including in these handouts and and other parts of the thing that we've created. Um, Because there are a lot of places you can go online and download all kinds of free content about trauma and stress and early childhood. So I think for uh, for me and for this product, we, we were really kind of weighing the the different aspects of um, not only how much time and energy did we put into this, but also, you know, what what would the market support um, and what are the other kind of constraints placed on it um, as, a, as a result of that. So currently the, the package is priced at uh, $29.99. So and included in that are um, three five to seven minute videos, as well as uh, a variety of different handouts that I've discussed uh, previously on the on the show, so I won't belabor that too much. But um, our thought was basically uh, that each of those things was worth about 10 bucks. <laughs> and so um, and so we, we wanted to package them all together um, for kind of a bundle effect uh, and and try that out that way. Um, I'll also note that this is sort of my first foray into selling anything online. And so a lot of this is kind of trial and error. And we're going to kind of play it by ear and and kind of massage it as it goes and and figure out what the best uh, way forward is. The great thing about online products um, is that you can change them pretty easily um, without a whole lot of of kind of, you know, adjustment needed. It's it's a pretty easy thing to upload a different PDF or um, kind of repackage things a little bit differently. So um, I'm excited to kind of continue to explore that. um, But I think the main things that I was considering, at least initially, were these questions around audience. Um, and so for, for those of you who aren't, aren't familiar with the product, it's a 
uh, early childhood kind of training module kind of thing uh, that is really targeted at early care professionals as well as people who kind of run or at or at that like director level of early care uh, environments. And so it's really for people who are looking at doing kind of training um, in, in that area of trauma and stress in early childhood and kind of what to do with kids who are in your care um, who are who are struggling with those kinds of, of issues. And so um, when we were thinking about audience, my colleague Tracy and I were really sensitive to the fact that there's not a lot of money out there for professional development for um, individual providers uh, or even for um, kind of care environments or centers to begin with. Um, so we wanted to make sure that it was priced at a point where you know people could actually <laughs> purchase it and access it. Um, we also thought about it as a way to get content that we had done in speaking and trainings and those sorts of things out in a way that was much cheaper than having somebody hire one of us to come out for a day. Um, and then they also get the content to keep and kind of can reuse it every year. So in some ways, it's also a, a another option. So if somebody contacts one of us and says, hey, would you come do this training? And we're like, yeah, we can't do it for free. But we can say here, you could spend $30 and get this package of materials that you can use that, that covers a lot of the same kind of content and has these videos um, that that share in a way that, that we would if we came and presented at your at your group. So there were lots of kind of different factors that went into the, the thought about pricing um, for this this package and we'll kind of see how it goes. I mean, I don't know, we may be totally off base or we might be just fine. I, you know, that's part of the experiment process for us. Um, but I think we're both okay with that and both looking at it as a, as a way to try something out and uh, learn from it and go forward. Well, and it seems like, I mean, the way that you're pricing this is very similar to how a book is priced. Mm. So you're basically yep. saying like, you know, it's not the equivalent of a book in terms of, you know, content, but it's a priced about the same, yeah. you know, if, if some, and, and that's the same for me too. It's like, that's kind of an entry level to working with me is to buy one of my books. Yep. That's probably the cheapest thing that you could engage with, um, in terms of what I sell. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar to that. Yeah. Well, in, in some ways, um, I, I am honestly, I, I think there's more, um, sort of concrete and practical suggestions and, and really usable stuff in this um, in this package than there is in my book that is the same amount of money so hmm. <laughs> you know so for people out there who are you know weighing which one to get it really depends on what you're more interested in learning about if you're interested in the science and and that sort of thing then yes my book is a great way to go but if you're really interested in okay what do I do with this kid who's in my class who I just don't know what to do with I don't I don't know how to handle the behaviors I'm seeing um, you know this resilience toolkit is is the better way to go frankly. Well, and you're making more profit on the toolkit than you are on the book royalties. Very true. <laughs> so that's something else to consider yes. as well. Yes, that's the advantage of making your own thing is that, uh, and selling it on your own, is that you you don't have to worry about things like royalties um, because book royalties are not how you roll in the dough generally. Uh, and so making this thing uh, and making it, it profitable is a, definitely a goal and something that, that Tracy and I both hope um, will continue to, to grow as we as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm curious, Katie, how did you go about pricing? Because I know you're kind of in a totally different <laughs> sphere in terms of uh, you're, you're talking about institutional purchases and, um, you know, sort of larger volume kinds of situations. So I'm curious how you went about thinking about pricing for your, your package. 
Yeah, so just to give folks uh, a general overview of what I'm pricing this at, um, so you know what we're talking about, and then I'll kind of back up and talk about how I came to this, was um, the course that I'm selling an individual lifetime membership, which comes with the full course access. There's some quarterly live Q&A sessions that people will have access to the workbook that I've described in detail in previous episodes, um, all of that would be $450 for one license. And then I've scaled it up in different kinds of group uh, license options for different um, institutional memberships. So the first one after that individual license is six memberships for $2,500. And the way that I've done this, some people might be like, why aren't you doing it like 5, 10, 15? I'm, I'm doing it like one more than that, is in each of these, I've included what I'm calling an admin license, which is basically the person who is purchasing on behalf of their institution mm. gets like automatic access to the course. So I don't want them to have to use one of the licenses they're purchasing for their own access. Mm-hmm. So they're buying five and they're getting one for themselves. So the small group for six lifetime memberships is $2,500. The, there's a learning community, um, I've kind of named them all. So the learning community one is 11 memberships for $4,500. I have one called Small Army, which is 16 lifetime memberships for 6,500. Sotal Party, which is 21 lifetime memberships for 8,500. And then my highest option is called Enterprise and it's 26 lifetime memberships for $10,400. And so each of these different packages comes basically with the same thing. It's just a volume question. Mm -hmm. So how many are you wanting to buy for your particular institution? And um, this is definitely an institutional model. I Mm -hmm. don't expect to be selling a lot of the individual memberships, um, except if people want to kind of augment one of the bigger packages, like maybe they need... 22 and so they buy this little party and then they buy one individual you know like i mean they may kind of do that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but the general idea here was to package it in a way that people would be more encouraged to purchase the institutional levels because it is meant to be kind of a learning community model mm-hmm. in terms of people taking this course with each other and maybe having some programming around it in terms of workshops or something like that through a center for teaching and learning or, or some other kind of faculty development organization. Like that was really how I designed it. Mm -hmm. So it's priced according to that. But in terms of how I chose those numbers, I am coming out of a background having already sold a course um, for a little more than this, actually, at the individual level, but it was really marketed to individuals. So I have another course that I sell for around $500 on academic book promotion. I also had just wrapped up um, my first year of the webinar series that I run, which sells individual webinars for $40, so around the price of what you're charging for your modules. And then I also had institutional memberships for that for $4,000. And that was an unlimited membership to that webinar series for the year where they would have unlimited access for the faculty at their institution. So I had kind of like experimented with this idea of institutional memberships a little bit and had kind of figured out a little bit about the marketing and what people wanted with those memberships and started also to kind of ask around a little bit with some some colleagues that I knew would be interested in a product like this to say, you know, like, what do you think would be appropriate to price this at if you were going to try to do this as a program Mm -hmm. within like your Center for Teaching and Learning. Um, So I asked around a little bit about that. And then the last thing that I had to kind of take into account was how does this work in terms of just scaling it up? Because I knew I was going to be scaling it and packaging these things together. And what did I actually think people would be able to afford or be interested in? And how could I also package it in a way that you couldn't buy 
let's say, you know, like five of the individual memberships and it would be cheaper than if you bought one of the larger ones. Like I, so I wanted to make sure that kind of the higher you went, the more of a discount you got Mm -hmm. in terms of the individual courses. So I, I thought about that in terms of just like what made the logical sense in terms of bundling them together. Um, And then, of course, you know, I was thinking like you about what's actually in there and the amount of time (laughs) that it's taken me, not just in terms of creating this course, but in terms of my career, learning the things that I am imparting through this course. Mm -hmm. It has been several years of my own kind of personal study of this topic and um, and my more formalized study of this topic as well. So that's all kind of wrapped up in terms of how I'm pricing it. Um, but the last thing I'll say is this is definitely a product that I want to have, you know, despite the fact that there's quarterly live Q and a sessions, there will be a monthly email that goes out to kind of let people know about updates to the product. Um, I, I, it's a live, it's a living product in the sense that I'm going to be kind of looking at it, looking at it and updating it over time. This is also meant to be a passive income stream for me Mm -hmm. in the sense of, you know, like I could wake up one morning and somebody has purchased, you know, one of these institutional memberships. Like I, I'm looking to build in more high revenue products into my product line so that I'm not trying to sell $140 mini courses. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to sell one, you know, institutional membership, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that to me just makes logical sense to be trying to sell smaller amounts of higher priced items than a huge volume of the lower priced items. So I'm, I've been experimenting with that for quite some time, and this is just kind of part of that experimentation. Yeah, before we before we hit record, uh, we were talking a little bit uh, about this whole idea of kind of where are you on the runway, um, and I think you know for listeners, and if it's if it's not clear, Katie's a little further down the runway in terms of selling uh, the online products and that sort of thing. Um, I'm still kind of back at the beginning, trying to to experiment a little bit with where is my audience and when what are they going to be willing to support um, on the sort of an individual you know, one-time purchase kind of kind of system, whereas I think Katie is really strategically built on that um, and is much further down the road and thinking about, okay, how do I get more bang for my buck? Because I think, I think your point is well taken that you're pricing these based on not only the time and energy it took to make the thing, but also on your expertise and um, how much study and time and energy has gone into you having the knowledge that you have that could even be imparted in a course like this. So um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. How do you how do you find a sort of monetary value for that level of expertise and and the wisdom and stuff of, of your experience and how are you imparting that? Um, and yeah, and how do you how do you put a price on that? <laughs> That's something that I definitely struggle with. Right. I, well, and I think it's really challenging. I, I mean, I think the other thing I do want to mention before I answer that question, too, is I started selling products approximately a year ago. Mm-hmm. So however far you know along I am on this runway ahead of you, it's not that much further. Um, <laughs> and you can, you can pick up a lot of knowledge in a very short amount of time once you start selling products. And I can talk a little bit more about that. But I think in terms of valuing your knowledge, I, I thought about this a lot, especially with my first course on academic um, book promotion. I ended up pricing it in a really kind of strange way, which was I took my first royalty check after I had been using the systems that I was describing in this course, and that's what I priced the course at. Mm. So it has a weird price. It's $499.41 because that was my first royalty check. After using these things for just like two or three months, Mm -hmm. that's what I got in royalties because I was like doing webinars and I was doing like all these different things that I'm describing in that particular course. 
And that's what I say in the trailer video. I'm like, this is why I priced it this way. Like, mm -hmm. this course is meant to make you money. Yep. So, like, I priced it accordingly. And I do think that if you do the things in that course, you will make money on book promotion. Like, that is, that's part of what is supposed to happen. Now, this other course is really different because it's not meant to make people money. Like, that's not its purpose. Right. It's not going to necessarily even get you something like tenure and promotion, depending on where you are at your institution and how they feel about scholarship of teaching and learning. But because it is being paid for through things like um, institutional funds, this is a course that's meant to save like faculty developers time and kind of their own resources because mm -hmm. they would have to create something like this for themselves. Right. Like, and so I'm providing that service through this product. So part of it is also thinking about like, who is the audience that you're serving and how valuable is it to them? Like, what would it take for them to spend the time to put together what it is that you're creating? Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, everything that I create, I want to be like, in some ways over the top to be like, look, this would take you forever. If you were going to put together a really well-designed 100-plus page workbook and 85-plus video lessons walking your faculty through this process, mm -hmm. like, I want people to look at this and be like, this is a deal. Yeah. This is like, this is a deal that I don't have to do this. And I can, you know, trust that this is going to be a good product. I trust the person who's putting it together. Like, so I think that there's a balance between, you know, what you think your knowledge is worth and also what people will pay but also, like, what is the service that this is providing to people? And what is the ultimate outcome that they're going to get? And sometimes it's saving them time. Sometimes it's helping them to make more money. You know, like, whatever that might be, all of that goes into my decision. And, and ultimately, too, I think about, from that kind of strategic planning perspective, how many of these things would I need to sell mm -hmm. in a month's time or in a year's time to be able to hit a certain revenue target? And that also helps me to think about how much do I want to price certain things at? Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, all of that kind of goes into my decision-making. Yeah, I think that raises a, a good point too, which is that um, you and I are, are approaching these products a little bit differently in that you are actually looking at building revenue off of this thing, whereas I'm a little bit more in that, uh, that experimentation phase. Like, frankly, any money I make off of this thing is icing at this point, you know? Right, There was right. a time when I would have created this stuff and put it up for free and, you know, not made any money on it. So now, you know, me trying to package things a little bit more professionally and a little bit more um, cohesively and trying my, my hand at the, you know, selling it online uh, approach is actually, you know, it's, it's a, that in and of itself is a step uh, that I wouldn't have taken a couple of years ago. And so frankly, any money that I make on this is great. <laughs> and, right. Well, and it's a huge step to take right. to start selling products. Right. I mean, like it's a really important step in your business to shift from services to products because mm -hmm. it means that you're changing your systems, like how you're actually creating something that you can give to someone in a, like, I mean, even just having like the, the pricing system behind the scenes of mm -hmm. like, or not the price, like this, the sales system, mm -hmm. you know, like that's a different system yep. usually than what you're doing for invoicing or other kinds of things. So there's just capacity that has to be built up in order to do this as well. Right. Well, and one of the other things that Tracy and I talked about when we first made these videos um, was not only like, hey, we want to fill some knowledge gaps and some, some gaps in the space that we see, you know, there are people who are, who really, really, really want these kinds of strategies and want to see them in action. So let's create this thing, but also like, let's think about how do we sell this in a way that we start to build a little bit of money on the side 
to do the next series of videos. And so it's sort of a, a future investment strategy more than a like, let's roll in the dough strategy. Right. Um, cause, because I think we see ways in which we could make additional videos and do other things that would build off of this original toolkit. And so, you know, when we're thinking about it, it's not so much for us, at least, how much money are we pulling in at the end of every month? It's more about like, okay, over the next year, you know, will we have enough that then we can actually justify the time and energy it would take to make another series um, and and kind of step up the game that way. And so, you know, we're just we're kind of seeing how things go with it at this point. Well, and I think that, I mean, there's definitely a spectrum of what you give away for free. Yep. And what you start to monetize. And like this podcast is a really great example. Like we're giving this podcast away for free. We mm -hmm. make no money on this whatsoever. And yep. do we have plans for maybe doing some stuff in the future around that? Sure. But for right now, there's no income coming in, mm -hmm. in terms of this podcast. We have no sponsorship. Like we're not doing Patreon. Like there's nothing like that. But I think that there are also reasons like you're describing, Sarah, for starting to monetize in a very small um scale way. And I think that the webinar series I did is a really good example of this, where people could buy a webinar for $40. And if they used one of my discount codes, it was like 32. I had like these 20% off discount codes that I used throughout the year. And that brought a scale of people in to experience working with me in that way mm -hmm. and around academic writing and publishing. And I ended up having between the institutional memberships and individual sales, probably around 250 people who engaged in that webinar series at some level. Mm -hmm. And I had clients that came out of that for coaching. I've had, you know, other kinds of like word of mouth recommendation happening in terms of speaking. I was able to build the master course out of that, that I, I did this nine part master course because I transitioned all those webinars into mini courses. So now all of those mini courses are for sale as well as a master course. So all of that has kind of given me different products that I can sell, but it also exposed me mm -hmm. to a lot of people who never would have known who I was yep. other than going through that series. That was a really big win to have that kind of exposure. And yeah, I made some money off of it as well, but when I went into it, I had no idea if anybody was going to sign up for that thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a real, it felt very risky. Yeah. And that was just a year ago that I was designing that. It was July of less than a year ago. July of um, 2017 was yeah. when I designed that series. And now we're going into year two of that series. And I've got, you know, I've got it designed. It's up for pre-sale. So it allowed me to create a system mm -hmm. around what I wanted to do. But I priced it you know, very affordably because mm -hmm. I wanted to get exposure. I wasn't necessarily, I wanted, and I wanted people to have access. I thought it would be good for people like grad students. So I didn't want to price it at a level that, you know, people would have to pay like $300 to come to one webinar. Like mm -hmm. that just didn't make sense to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Now it's interesting thinking about, you know, where you are in the process and, and it's, you know, comforting to, to me to hear that, you know, a year ago you were, just sort of beginning this process of, of trying to price things out in a similar way that I am. So um, that, that makes me feel good about the future. So that's great. <laughs> well, and I think you like, as you go, I mean, and the other thing I guess I would say is like, because I price so many different things between like my coaching packages, I just launched a virtual summer writing program. I have the webinars, the mini courses, the regular courses, um, the institutional membership stuff that I've been doing. The more that I do that and the, the range of different things I have, the more I learn about it. Mm -hmm. And that helps me to feel more confident mm -hmm. because when people buy these things, I'm like, okay, so it's not impossible for people to buy these things, you yeah. know, like, and if, if there was like crickets and nobody was ever buying one of my products, I'd be like, okay, let me think about that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let me think about repackaging that. 
And I'm in the process right now of like bundling some of my first course because right now it's only available as like the master course and I want to make it available in smaller chunks mm. for a cheaper price. So, I mean, there's stuff like that that you can kind of play around with. And the more flexibility you have, I think the better. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So I'm curious what you think about um, this sort of more pervasive uh, element of the internet, <laughs> which um, it, there there are some spheres in which there's sort of this expectation that I alluded to earlier, where, you know, you should make stuff and make it available for free for people. Um, and, you know, you talked a little bit about the spectrum of things you will offer for free and things you won't. Um, but how do you work with and or against um, that notion that the things that you do should be available for free? And, and you know, how do you combat the people that, you know, are never going to be, be able to or willing to purchase it just because of that, that perspective that all creative things should some for some reason be free. Like they don't cost money to make or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, this is a really good question. And I think we've talked about previously, I don't remember which episode or season about this idea that academics do a lot of things for free. Yeah. And so, you know, like fighting against that. And the first entire year of my business, I was selling services, but I was selling no products. Mm-hmm. And I was putting out a lot of podcast stuff. I was doing my newsletter and blogging a lot. And actually, somebody came up to me at one point, somebody that I knew when I was visiting their campus, and she just kind of offhand said, you're giving away a lot for free. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I am giving away a lot for free. And I had to think about that. It it just kind of like brought me up, you know, short for a minute. And I was like, okay, when am I actually going to start charging for my expertise Mm -hmm. other than services? Like, what is what does it mean to do that? And so I, I started to think about this idea of a sales funnel which I can't remember if we've talked about this on a previous episode, but I certainly talk about it with my clients a lot who are interested in kind of building um, small businesses. And the general idea of a sales funnel is typically you start people into that funnel with free products. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a lead magnet that you use for your email list. I don't really do that. It's it's more like you can sign up for my newsletter and get my blog posts and information about what I'm up to. I have a monthly newsletter that just says like, here's where I am with all my current projects. You can also um, get all of my podcasts currently for free. I have four different shows. So there's a lot of content that I'm just putting out into the world and I blog every week. That's like the entry point of my funnel. But in each of those areas on the podcast, you'll hear me every once in a while doing a short ad for something else that I'm offering in terms of a service or product. Um, I also have monetized one of my podcasts with a sponsor. So you'll hear me do some ads for that. And every once in a while in my newsletters, I mention that as well. If I have something I'm currently selling, like my summer writing group memberships, like you're going to just see a little note about that if, if you might be interested. The next level is probably like my books. If you want to buy one of my books, that's like another way that you can engage with me that's relatively inexpensive. And then if you want to buy one of my mini courses that are about $40, you know, like you're, you're coming in at a very kind of low level of the funnel. But if you like those engagements, you might decide to go higher up in the funnel, which Mm -hmm. would be like buying one of my courses that are several hundred dollars. Or you might decide you want to buy the webinar series, which is going to be priced at about $300. Or you may eventually decide you want to do some private coaching with me or my summer writing group, which is kind of a, a a less expensive version of doing group coaching with me versus private coaching. So as you kind of continue into that funnel more and more, And the closer you get to working with me individually or like bringing me to your campus or whatever that might be, the more expensive it's going to be because the more of my time is going into kind of personalizing how I'm working with you versus like a pre-recorded product that I've made, you know, based on my expertise. So I'm always thinking about that 
funnel mm-hmm. and how do you kind of get people into the the lower end of that funnel in a way that helps to keep them engaged, which means that your free stuff has to be really good. Mm-hmm. You can't just be putting out stuff that other people don't need or mm-hmm. that like when you're putting out free stuff, it should be stuff that people might be willing to pay for right. if you were actually going to price it at something. So I, I mean, that's what I, I think over time, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I've started to think about it is I want to have lots of different tiers of pricing of how people could potentially work with me. And every tier, what you're going to get, I hope, is going to be more than what you were expecting for what you paid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not like underpricing things, but I do want to kind of give you a really full experience right. of my knowledge, my expertise, and I want it to be generous. Maybe that's a good way to think about it. It's a yeah. generous portion of what I could be giving you for that particular you know, topic or area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of, you can kind of liken it um, for the listeners who do services um, to when you're first working with a client, you might... Um, I don't want to say underprice your services, but like competitively price your service, but make sure that you are giving, you know, 110% that first time, because then they say, oh, that's the value I can get for this. Awesome. Yes, I want to keep working with you. Um, It's sort of the old adage that my dad used to share, which was you make yourself completely indispensable, and then they don't know what they're going to do without you. (laughs) So um, I, I often use that when I'm thinking about services and pricing my services competitively, um, making sure that the value add is considerably more than, um, than really what they're, what they're thinking about paying for it. Um, at least in that first initial, initial interaction, because that, that's a really great way to kind of instill that trust and that, um, high level of quality in that relationship from, from day one. Right. Well, and I think that if you're thinking about having in any way, shape or form, repeat clients, Mm -hmm. like you want people to buy more than one thing that you're offering, whether that's a service or a product, you need to make sure that what they're getting from you is not low quality or even like mid-level quality. And I was thinking about this, like I was just reading something and, and they were talking about how if your entire goal is to get people to buy something from you once, you can sacrifice the quality and focus a lot more on the marketing Mm -hmm. because the idea is just to get them in the door, but you're not going to get things like good word of mouth Mm -hmm. and you're not going to get repeat clients. My business is really focused on repeat clients and word of mouth because Mm -hmm. I, I create kind of a constellation of products and I add to those products over time. And if you like one thing in all likelihood, you might like something else. Mm -hmm. So I I don't want to create something and have people experience it and say, well, I don't like the quality of that. Mm -hmm. Or I I don't want to recommend this to other people because the quality is not what I or it wasn't what I was expecting or, you know, whatever it might be. Like, I think if you have a business that is just trying to do that one time sale, there is a really different focus than if you have a business that's trying to be more kind of reputation building Mm -hmm. in terms of a larger word of mouth um, marketing. Agreed. And it's sort of the the perspective that you have at the core of your business, which is you want people to have a great experience in working with you. And I I think sometimes you and I might take that for granted because that's so inherent in all of the work that we try to do with people that it's, it's sometimes jarring to think like, oh, some people, that's not the core of their business. That's not the main focus. But, but I think for both of us, it's a very, um, pinpoint focus on like making sure that the person who's working with us is having an excellent experience. Right. Well, and I think the more you experience people saying, you know, like if somebody contacts me 
and for a speaking engagement and I don't know them Mm -hmm. like they've just like contacted me randomly I'll typically say like where did you hear from me Mm -hmm. and it's typically from another person or they heard about me from one of my podcast episodes or they heard about me from like they've been following my blog for quite some time Mm -hmm. and I've started to get a lot of people reaching out to me even just recently saying so and so told me that I should talk to you (laughs) about x topic and I'm like sure like let's have a Skype let's talk about it and that even that kind of like personalized engagement of like doing a quick Skype call with someone that sometimes brings them into the funnel because Mm -hmm. then you know I can talk with them about my podcast or I can talk with them about something else and I mean like this month is a record setting download number for my for my main podcast um you've got this and it's amazing to me that there's just like thousands of people who are downloading this thing I have no idea who they are Mm -hmm. And they're, they're hearing about my work. Like it's like free marketing in some ways because I'm just, it's not free because I'm paying for things related (laughs) to that podcast. Right. But you know what I mean? I mean, like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm able to get the word out about things that I'm working on and it just plants seeds with people. They Mm -hmm. may not want to buy one of these things right now, but a year from now they might. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you just don't ever know. Right. Right. I've had the same kind of thing happen with some of my video stuff that like I've gotten clients because they see what I can do with video and they're like, hey, we need that. Help us do that thing. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a similar sort of thing that you don't know. You know, you don't always know when you put out free stuff um, what the return is going to be. But I think both you and I, Katie, have experienced a pretty good return on a lot of that free stuff. But I think it's that there's that challenge, right, of turning the corner and of saying, okay, now is when I need to start charging for things. Or at this point in the funnel is when I need to stop giving away free stuff and, you know, make those conversions. And that's that's just a really hard thing, I think, for every entrepreneur and especially especially those of us who are working in sort of academic and creative circles because of all of the Uh, kind of perceptions that we've already discussed about, you know, what should be free and what shouldn't and what can people get for free elsewhere that you're asking them to pay for. And and that's kind of a hard balance and a hard market to work in sometimes. Well, and I think that one way to make that transition is like, I didn't stop giving things away for free. Right. I just added in these other things that were not free. And, And I think that, you know, there are ways that people could probably find this information elsewhere. But they're not going to find it elsewhere for free from me. Yeah. So if they were interested in my particular perceptions on something or, you know, I think, for example, about the mini course that I created, this is like one of my favorite things I've ever created. So I created this mini course. You can buy it for $40. It's on organizing an edited collection. And if you look around on the internet, you're going to find blog posts, you know, you're going to find all kinds of advice and things about doing edited collections. And some people are even going to say, like, don't do it. Like, it's a waste of your time, whatever, whatever. Well, in this mini course that I created, I talk a lot about things like it's a great way to network. It's a great way to kind of become an expert in a particular area. But also I talk about how to communicate and kind of project manage the whole process of doing an edited collection. And I include multiple email templates for every stage Mm -hmm. of the process. So Mm -hmm. as you're reaching out to authors to invite them to be in the collection, as you are giving them feedback, here's an email template for that. Here's a template if you have someone who's behind and kind of delinquent in their response to you. Like, I mean, I give you the whole package based on my experience of editing multiple edited collections. Mm -hmm. And I have all of this kind of supplementary stuff that I've created over time that templates the whole process. Are you going to find that in a free blog post? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not. So I try to include stuff like that. That's Mm -hmm. like, look, this is really based on years of experience of doing this. Like, this is not just me putting out a free blog post on it. I'm giving you all of the supplementary materials, including like examples of my edited collection book proposals. Like, I mean, there's just 
that's the kind of stuff you're not necessarily going to find mm -hmm. out there for free. So, I mean, you do have to kind of think about what is the stuff that you might give away for free? And have I done a, a podcast episode on editing these collections? Sure. Mm -hmm. Like, and if you want just that, fine. Like, yeah. that, take that. I mean, like, maybe that's all you need. But if you do need a little bit of extra guidance, then maybe you would want to pay 40 bucks for mm -hmm. this course on organizing an edited collection. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So it's about kind of thinking about the levels of what you're including and how can you kind of level it up over time. Um, so I think that's part of it, too, is just there is stuff that I think some people give away for free and you're like, wow, I can't believe you're giving that away for free. Mm -hmm. And I think there should be kind of some of that level of incredulity that when people are looking at your stuff, they're just like, wow, this is pretty amazing yeah. that you're putting this out there. And you're kind of giving these gifts of knowledge. Like that's how I've heard one person talk about it that I think is really helpful. Mm -hmm. What are you giving that are kind of your gifts of knowledge? And they, then people are coming to trust you in a way that they would potentially pay you for a product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really using this sort of relationship-based approach to marketing, which I know we're going to talk about marketing in the next episode. So I'm excited to dive into that more specifically. But I love this idea of you're really building relationships with people. It's just that you're doing it online, right? You're not necessarily always doing it through in-person networking events. Sometimes you are, but, um, and there's a way that all of that kind of ties together, but it, it is about that building that trusting relationship so that people look to you as the expert, but also as the person who they can turn to, to communicate something to them effectively and give them a high quality experience. And that's huge. Well, and I also think, you know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about this new product that I just launched um, this like within the past couple of months, and it's this virtual summer writing groups program. And I decided to launch that product because people had been kind of poking at this idea of, you know, I'd heard from a lot of people who are like, I need help with writing productivity and especially over times like the summer. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't feel like I'm accountable. And I've led writing groups in the past. And I was like, you know, let me just throw this out there. Like, let me just see if this is going to stick and if mm -hmm. people are interested in this. And it's it's very experimental. Like, I cannot emphasize that enough. Like, I just randomly made up this program. Yes, I have background experience in it, but I just, like, decided on a whim, let me try this summer writing groups thing and mm -hmm. see if I can make it work. And sure enough, you know, I've had people signing up for the program. It's not full yet, but I feel like it's going to do okay. I mean, it's it's definitely got enough people in there where it's worth it for me to run it. And people have already been saying, are you going to continue this into the academic year? Like they're, they don't want to sign up for the summer, but they want to sign up for the fall. Mm -hmm. And, and just like the, the information that you get from people, the kinds yeah. of questions that you get, the inquiries that you get, the level of interest that people express, you can't take that to the bank, but mm -hmm. you can use it to kind of frame different programs that might be of interest to people that, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I just think that there's, there's so much information out there about what people need mm -hmm. that if you listen and you do have that kind of relational piece that you're talking about, Sarah, you can learn a lot about yep. what your clients want from you and what they're willing to pay for. Yep. Yep. So in summary, pricing is really all about listening to your clients yes, it is. and to your audience. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it is. Well, and I think, I mean, I'm so glad you said that because as in a summary way, because I do feel like sometimes we think pricing is all about us yeah, and it is about like revenue and making money and, and whatever. And it isn't, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's really about our audience, but I, I do have one final question, which does shift it back to you, okay. which is, do you have revenue targets when you're pricing and putting these packages together? Like, are you thinking I'm pricing it this way? I hope I sell this many 
you know, like I want this much recurring income per month or whatever. Like, are you starting to think that way, even though this is kind of a beginning thing for you? Um, not specifically with this product. I think um, what I'm learning from the release and uh, and all of that over the next couple of months will really inform that um, in a in a more holistic way in terms of like the back six months of of this you know product being out. Um, and so, you know, to kind of, again, mirror what we were already saying, I'm kind of listening to how this goes before I, um, before I shift too much into having very specific revenue targets. Like I said, at this point, the, the sales for the foreseeable future, at least are just kind of icing. It's great to know that people are interested in buying this thing. What I learned from that, both in terms of how many people are buying things, as well as what we, what I hear back on how people are using it. Um, I think that will really inform both how Tracy and I package and uh, create new stuff, uh, as well as how we price those things going forward. And so I feel like that second iteration is really where we can ha- start to have some more um, specific revenue targets. But for the moment, it's a lot of kind of wait and see and kind of see what happens over the next several months um, as we're both out kind of promoting it in our in our presentations and um, to our colleagues and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a little bit of wait and see at this point uh, is my hmm. revenue goal. <laughs> That's a good goal to have. Yeah. Well, and especially if, I mean, I remember this. People were asking me what my revenue goals were when I launched the webinar series last mm-hmm. year, which was really my first product. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have no idea. Right. Like, I, I mean, I, I had know. an idea in my mind. I had like a, it'd be great to have like a five-figure launch. Like mm-hmm. that was my kind of just general. And I ended up hitting that. So mm-hmm. that was great. But I mean, I definitely had, like, I did not know. Like, right. I just did not know what people were going to buy, if they were going to like it, if they were interested in it, if webinars were a thing that people were willing to pay for. Like, I just had no idea. And I feel like the farther along I go, the better I am able to kind of estimate, like, what do I want? Mm-hmm. And um, we are going to get into this a little bit with the marketing piece in the next episode, because I think a big part of it is how do you, like, pre-market something yep. to people so that you do have a sense of who will buy and who's interested Mm -hmm. and even doing like pre-sale stuff as well, which we'll get into also. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a big piece of it is like the, the more experience I get with pricing and selling, the better able I am, I think, to set revenue goals. Yep. Yep. I agree. So for those listeners out there who are like, I want to build a thing, but I have no idea what it would do. And everybody tells me I need a revenue goal. No, no, (laughs) you (laughs) You don't. You can wing it the first time and you'll learn a ton. You totally can. You'll learn a ton about what you can create effectively and quickly or not effectively or not quickly. (laughs) And you know what, also what your audience will actually buy and at what price points and how do you package things? Like I'm learning a ton just from this process of, of making a thing. So um, yeah, I hope the listeners will come back to our next episode to talk about marketing because I am excited to talk about marketing because I am excited to learn from Katie all about marketing. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see. We'll see about that. I mean, the, I guess one last thing I want to mention is I've heard some people talk about, and I think this is just a really valuable lesson, that if you launch something and it doesn't go the way that you want in terms of like pricing it or sales, you can relaunch it and repackage yep. it. Yep. And I think that's really important. To, and I've, I've heard, for example, Paul Jarvis talk about this. Um, and he's launched several courses and done a, a ton of different kinds of things. And he's like, yeah, I launched this one thing one time. It just didn't work out. I totally repackaged it and it sold like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's part of it is sometimes in the marketing. It is in how it's packaged and priced. So yep. we can definitely get into that a little bit in the next episode as well. But yeah. until then, thanks for chatting with me, Sarah. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me, Katie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at katielinder.work slash podcasts. 
Make Your Way is part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel, a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinder.work slash podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.